One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike, we got Max, we got Shane, and this is a very, very exciting episode, a unique episode, because our very own Max Kerman sits down with Irish singer-songwriter Dermot Kennedy. I did. So maybe you're a Dermot Kennedy fan and you're sort of, uh, you're, you're listening in to us for the first time. You're just like, oh, I want to check these guys out. I want to check out the interview. I want to hear Max, who is obviously a, an amazing and sort of successful musician in his own right. Listen to two musicians just fucking chop it up. Uh, Shane and I actually haven't heard this interview yet. Max, you went off, you did this interview. You're like, boys, we're putting it in the podcast. We're like, cool, exciting. Uh, but we don't know anything about it. So do we want to talk about this now or do we want to set it up Closer to the interview. I think briefly we can talk about it just because yeah, there's it. probably some Dermot fans that are curious about it. Um, full disclosure, I don't remember anything that we talked about. So like, <laughs> honestly, the ha- it happened maybe a month ago. <clears throat> happened maybe a month and a half ago. And uh, yeah, I just don't remember anything that I said a week ago, let alone a month and a half ago. I prefer it that way. The one thing that does stick out to me, though, he was very nice. And we mostly wanted to talk about basketball and sports. He's one of these musicians that would like to talk about anything but songs and being a musician. Um, Cause I'm sure he gets asked about that all the time. Uh, so he's very nice. And also I think we, he was t- trying desperately to get out of uh, a commitment. He had that evening to come to the rappers game with me, um, <laughs> which was very, cause I was like, Hey, I, I could probably get tickets to the thing tonight. To the, the rappers are playing. He's like, Oh, I'd kill. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And then I think he spent the whole afternoon trying to get out of this commitment he had for like like a live stream or something. Something that was kind of important. But then alas, his his management was like, and, and the label, because we share a label. So I want to give a shout out to Allie because uh, she helped set up the whole thing. And I think she wanted us to meet because she thought we'd be pals. Uh, and he <laughs> and he was just like trying to get out of it. And then Allie was texting me on the side. She's like, Max, can you stop trying to get Dermot to come to the Raptors game? Because I, he needs to do this fucking thing. We've been working on this for months and you are fucking this up right now. I was like, let him come. He's been working hard. He just flew in from Chicago. It's, you know, he needs to relax a little bit. We can come to the Raptors game, meet Nick Nurse. Anyway, uh, that did not happen. But we tried. We tried. Wow. The ladies love him, by the way. Just, just like, as soon as I posted a photo with him, people were just like, Dermot, Dermot, he's my Dermot. Dermot, he's my Dermot. No one says, he's my Max, he's my Max. So he's Dermot, Well, Dermot. because 
There's so many Maxes where really there's only two Dermots, right? Dermot Mulrooney and him. So they're just saying he's my Dermot. Who's Dermot Mulrooney? Isn't that his name? Come on. Yeah, he's yeah. a big, big actor. Well, he, I mean, big actor is strong, but he was in like my best friend's uh, wedding with Julia Roberts. Mm. He had like a, a moment kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s. But Dermot Mulrooney, he's a guy. He's like an actor. Like I'm surprised yeah. you don't but know do, him. But there's, only, there's not that many Maxes. There's like dogs and me. Like what other Maxes are there? There's tons of Maxes. Really? But to his point, how many famous Maxes are there? There's not that many. Max von Sydow is an yeah. actor. Yes. Um, um, uh, like who else? Like there's another guy, a singer-songwriter named Max. I think we interviewed him years ago. Right? We did. Yeah, yeah. What happened <laughs> to that guy? Is he still around? Um, yeah, there's just not many. But maybe just because Max is not a like a sexy name. Like Dermot. Dermot's kind of a sexy name. I feel like oh. Max has become a very popular name in the last like five years. I feel no, like I babies? keep seeing people. Yeah, babies. A lot of Max mm, babies out there. Which, or maybe I'm just noticing it now because I'm close with a Max. Because uh, I didn't mm-hmm. know any Maxes my whole life. Maxie. Or Shaney, did you grow up with any Maxes? I'm looking up famous Maxes, by the way, right now. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I spoke out of turn. Then. There isn't a lot of Maxes. Yeah. yeah but I think you're maybe my Max, Max is a goof. Yeah, it's a goofy <laughs> name, though, right? So it's like, it's kind of silly. It kind of reminds you of your dog. So it's like, no one talks about it. But when they talk about Dermot, every, wow. every female is just like, Dermot, Dermot, Dermot. The closest thing I got is Max Greenfield, who was in um, uh, The New Girl. He's like the funny oh, yes. New Girl. Yes. Uh, I like that guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, Max Foncito, which I which I had. That's kind of about it, guys. Like I said, f- Max Mang- Mangi- Mangilla. I don't yeah, know who that, who guy. that even is. Yeah, he's a who guy. He's a guy. That is. He's like, uh, uh, what? What the hell is he in? You'd know him if you saw him immediately. Good-looking guy, yeah, like mm-hmm. youngish actor. I actually think he's he's either dating or married to Elle Fanning. Oh, interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I look forward to listening to that interview again because I have no idea what was said. <laughs> I think it went okay though. We'll see. You can tell me. Tell me how I did. Um, how's it going, Shane? What, what's on your What's on your mind? Are you at the cottage right now? At the cottage? No, I'm at uh, the same place I always record from. You've been yeah. seeing this frame, Max, for like, three years. Yeah, where the, he's got there's the antlers the behind my head. I know. I guess antlers I are. Notice might. the antlers normally, though. That's interesting. Oh no, they're yeah, they've been there for the last three years. We've been zooming. So I, I <laughs> you usually ask if I'm at the cottage if you see a bookcase or something behind me. You've mm. never asked when I've had the antlers, which I always thought were very symbolic of my home. No, no clue. <laughs> hey, um. I was thinking about this though the other day is, um, do you think like Bill Simmons gets like, you know, phone calls and annoying text messages from all of his friends every time he mentions anything personal on the phone? Like, do, does he get that? Or do people, you know, just kind of understand that if you're in Bill's orbit, you're probably going to be spoken about on the pod or, or he probably has a list of things that he just can't talk about that we wouldn't even know. But do you think most podcasters get the amount of shit that you get, Shane? No, it, people know when someone's vulnerable and willing to like, get affected by a comment so once they see that you're Mm. weak in that way people will attack it no one knows or everyone knows that you don't give a shit max so no one's gonna (laughs) say anything to you because you're gonna be like who cares shut up you know and then (laughs) yeah mike mike you know i mike would take it more to heart but maybe too much to heart whereas i would take it at that perfect level where i can be attacked constantly I'm a good target. <laughs> that is a funny observation. It's like who is yeah, who's the who's the good target in these situations? Who could not be bothered? Yeah. Yeah, like I don't lash out at people. Like for me, <clears throat> Populous is a guy that I'm comfortable to kind of lash out against for some mm. reason, whereas other people I wouldn't. I don't know why. Maybe because he's yeah. I look at him as the like myself. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is that is a good one. I sometimes I feel bad about that though in my own life when there's people and I can think of a couple that I'm just like they're so nice, but I feel more comfortable being a little angry or shorter with. Yeah. Whereas there's like people that that are also my friends that are genuinely assholes, <laughs> <laughs> and that I feel way less comfortable about. Um, doing that around them. Yeah, like <laughs> Matt like, Slickman would be the- a guy you can lash out no. at, right? He's your punching bag a little bit. <laughs> Who that I could lash out at Matt for? Yeah. Be like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> but, but actually, Matt and I have a very special relationship because That's what I mean. Matt will Matt will scream at me, and I'll scream at Matt. But it's very much like the uh, Larry David. Uh, 
Richard Lewis relationship. You know that yes. thing? It's like they're just screaming at each other and then it'll be over in 15 <gasps> seconds. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's pops great. got mad at me because I was talking about how, you know, potentially I'd be relieved if the show got canceled. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, well, that's not a good look if if someone's listening. And, <laughs> and I was trying to explain like he's like Jerry Seinfeld where he's always unbothered and looking forward to things and optimistic. And I'm like Larry mm-hmm. David. So I want him to look at it as an endearing thing mm-hmm. as a part of my personality and not that I actually want it to get canceled or to not come out. And that's well, the way I want well, people yeah, to take it. That's actually funny is that uh, book club, Maddie and I, we often argue about like, what's a, that's not, he'll, he'll often tell me that's a bad look, Mac. You, you, you don't want to say that. You know? And often he's right. But then sometimes I, I roll my eyes and then we argue about it. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a dynamic that we have as well. Yeah. Uh, Mike, any, any, anybody in your life, uh, that you feel more comfortable yelling at? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I think I, I yell at or don't yell at everyone equally. No, I, I would think you have the built-in thing that a lot of people don't have, which is a brother Greg. I would think you'd be no. comfortable if Greg stepped out of line. You'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? And you would just know there's so much love and comfort here. Any way I lash out can be forgiven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greg Do you and really I, yell at yeah, Greg, yeah, though? I can't recall you yelling at Greg. You're, you're so recently. protective of Greg. No, you're- it's mellowed a lot. But when we were younger, like, especially when we were in a band together, like, we were, you know, we felt pretty comfortable just, like, openly yelling, you know, in some eight-hour drive to Winnipeg or something. Greg and I would be in a fight, like a Gallagher Brothers-esque sort of tiff. But again, you don't, you know, you move on. That's kind of the great thing about family. And that's why, you know, when they say, oh, you fight like siblings. And honestly, like, in a lot of ways, like, I feel like I, I do have that. Like, I mean, Shane and I, you know, when we were working on the the Mike on Much Crave show, if tensions boiled over or we like, you have like um, conflict or whatever, I feel like we just move on. Like, like I think Shane in those like kind of like spats is as close to how I am with Greg, where you kind of do it and you move on and you don't really carry it too much. And then and Max, there's not, you know, you're not confrontational. So I, I, when we were talking a couple pods ago, I was like, have we ever actually had a thing? I don't know mm-hmm. if you and I've ever had a combative sort of conversation. You know what I'm saying? But Shane and I have certainly had either creative sort of conflict or like personal conflict that just friends do. And then I think we quickly sort of just reset to wherever we're at. Yeah. I'm definitely, uh, I'm able to fight with you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you think I'm not, not confrontational, eh, Mike? I can't think of a time where you, yeah, no, I, I don't think you are. Do you think you are? Maybe you are with your bandmates. Maybe you have enough drama. It's not satisfying to argue with you because you always just make the other people feel silly for getting in the argument. <laughs> Me? Yeah, you have to, if you want to be a <laughs> person that gets argued with a lot, you got to give a little argument back to make it feel like this is worthwhile and to get like that trauma out of your system. Uh-huh. But if I try to no, get I, mad I at hold you, you're just like, calm down, you know, like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. And we can't get a good conflict out. And then it doesn't feel like a workout when I'm off the line. It's just like, I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have did that. Man, you know, Max is right. That's You want to feel like you won the argument. Yeah. yeah. You have a good way too of like, it's like, yeah, it's like, you're like, oh, I made a big deal out of nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's like it's all of a sudden you start to, you you have a way I think of like making us frame whatever we're upset about as for what it is, which is like something that will pass that doesn't really matter. Even though in that yeah. moment we're like burning with rage and passion, it's kind of like no, he is actually right that it's like eh, it'll be fine. Yeah, your wife <laughs> left you. You're upset. You'll get a new one. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of sound like me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. I do. Um, the issue, though, I think for me is because um, I, I think that strategy is often effective and it helps keep things moving forward and de-escalates. But my, my problem is that I hold on to some of those little hissy fits from my friends and I keep them in my mind and I actually build up walls, um, which isn't good because I think if I just address things more directly then the other person would know how I feel. But otherwise, I just sort of will kind of keep in mind. I'm like, oh, and, th- and then it'll also cloud future interactions with them because I'm going to anticipate that somebody's going to, mm. you know, launch a fit or something. And maybe they're not going to, but I have memories of that in, in various relationships that I have, which isn't good. So in some ways, I think it's it's positive to just sort of de-escalate. In other ways, you know, there's there's something to be said for, uh, you know, for being a little bit more forthright with, with your feelings. And, just get it you know, out. Yeah. 
Just get it up. You yeah. know, let the passion fly and then let mm-hmm. it calm down. You know, everything escalates and climaxes and then we all resettle. <laughs> but uh, hey, real quick, uh, but the, just before we started uh, the pod here, um, I was talking to somebody who might put me in touch with uh, a set of electronic drums uh, for my niece for her birthday that's coming Ooh, up. She doesn't nice. listen to this pod, so yeah. who gives a shit? Where, um, was, this, uh, where was this drum hookup when uh, I was sorting out Christmas, bro? Listen, I, you can only have so many asks, you know? That's true, that's true, that's true. <laughs> I try to help when I can. That's fair. Um, but it's going to be an electronic drum kit, so it's not going to annoy the rest of the house. How's it going with your drum kit? It's fantastic. I saw a very funny Insta story. But that oh, you playing, which was very good. Yeah, I was just going hard on the drums. And then I sort of did that thing where I edited in my daughters, like being forced to listen. I was going to. So like for anyone that didn't see on my Insta story, it's basically me just being an idiot and drumming uh, for like whatever a minute. And then what I did was just to make the, the the little bit funny is then I shot the other side, which was I just got Winona and Roberta to sit as if they were, I was forcing them to listen to me. And my mm-hmm. brother actually sent me a funny message. Like he responded, he's like, ah, look at that. You found a way uh, to put yourself playing drums cool on the internet without it being shameless. Cause I made it into like a skit, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm still <laughs> drumming like pretty decently. You know what I mean? So yeah, he was a pretty good, pretty good drum. Oh, thanks, like, yeah. Is that subbed in? Is, is there, is that actually him? And it was you. So. Oh, it was me. Yeah. So anyway, I was, I was banging away on it, but um, it's great. Like the girls love it. Danica certainly like, is like, why did we not get an electronic kit? Like it's very mm-hmm. loud but like I don't think it's that loud and I've said this before like like, oh wow because it's like a real like pearl kit that I got for Mm -hmm. a four-year-old she wanted it for Christmas I got it my thinking was though um essentially I'm like listen like it's a long life you know like they're gonna be into the drums they're not gonna be into the drums like but in my brain I'm like you know at some point it's like when Winona's 13 and Roberta's like 10 like if they just have a kit around they might fuck around on it. Like if Greg and I had mm-hmm. instruments like that just around the house, like a piano or whatever, we would have gravitated toward them. So I just want to have it. And then maybe they're into it. Maybe they start a band when they're teenagers or maybe they don't. I, I just want it around for them. You know, I don't, I don't expect them to become like the next time or anything like that, but it's like, it's awesome to have around. So I committed to like a real kit instead of something electronic that might be like antiquated in 10 years mm. or, or whatever. And you know, you know, Maxi, you're like the real drums are more fun to hit than the electronic drums. If we're being honest. Oh, totally. And, and also they're more communal, right? Like, so if you're actually going to like plug in an instrument or pl- plug in an electric guitar or something like that, you can jam along to it. That's really fun. Totally. Yeah. But just that to, where I'm uh, have some reservations is that like, is she going to play it for three times? And then it's like, okay, there goes 450 bucks out the door. You know what I mean? And she which could, but me. luckily she has a dad that every time Danica goes out with the baby in the morning, I, for 20 minutes, I just throw on Jamiroquai and fucking play along. It's my new Peloton. I've Actually, used that. Oh, 100%. I have used that drum set to get a workout more than I've ever used the Peloton that is sitting behind me. I was going to say, like, you I, are looking buff lately, Mike. <laughs> I literally just play the drums every morning for like 25 minutes or a half hour. Like, she loves you. I'm just learning Ringo beats and just playing along with them in my headphones. And it is honestly the greatest workout. But I have to time it with when Danica drives around with the baby every morning. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So, yeah, Makes it's like sense. Danica's like, oh, that was like, like a great gift you got for the kids. She does like air quotes. And I'm like, listen, it's for the whole family. They'll either come back to it, they won't. But yeah, anyway, that's drummers really always are in good shape, aren't they? I'm trying to think of a drummer right now who isn't i can't nothing comes to mind tim's in really good shape right now it's the most work in a band this is what i realized because when i was in bands i was either like guitar bass whatever Uh, like and it's like (laughs) it's like the amount of work you're doing as the drummer for the duration of like a four minute song is just way more than Mm -hmm. anybody else in the band is doing and i never fully appreciated it until i started doing these like 25 minute drum things where i'm like oh my god there's still two minutes left of this jamiroquai song you know what i mean but then you do it every day and then you now you're like you're like bring me the next song Anyway, it's like if you're looking for a reason to work out and you kind of you enjoy music a bit, I recommend just get a drum kit and fuck around if you, you know, if you can. It's, it's a good time. I do like um, everybody's own sort of idea or conception of what working out is <laughs> because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's like you're just trying to tell yourself that you've done something today. That's really what we're all trying well, to do. It's cardio, Max. You don't no, know. I, I'm not saying that it's not. I'm not saying oh that it's God. not. Don't I'm dismiss just saying, my workouts. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying that everybody has their own version of it. Like for instance like if i show up in a gym i could literally do if i go to like a good life or something i could literally just walk around for 30 minutes be on the phone sort of look at the weights talk to yeah. some people and then leave and then go went to the gym today yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? of course yeah, yeah. 
I find walking actually to be something I consider to be probably the workout I do the best. Like if I just walk, I'm like, oh, I had a good workout today. <laughs> do you ever do that? No, like, because I have the Apple Watch and it tells me my steps. I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. I killed it today. Like if I do 20,000 steps, I feel like Lance Armstrong or something. <laughs> not to say that it's not good. Not to say that anything's are 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 not good. They're all good. They're all positive. But it is. But I think if you ask somebody who actually like knows about the the science of exercising, it's like you have to get your heart rate up a bit, or you have to you know do something. But it sounds like Mike, you are doing that. So more so than me looking at mm-hmm. looking at gym equipment, you know. Oh, and it, and it's just more than I ever did before. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like find a fun way to do something. At it's like when we used to play basketball all the time. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. that didn't feel like working out to me because no, I'm doing no, something that I enjoy. Yeah, guys, we um. I said, the band is uh, working on stuff as we do. Mm. And we're, um, did I tell you where we're jamming? Did I tell you this whole story? With Cregan from Bare Naked Ladies. Did we talk about this on the It's like a running theme on the pod. Our listeners and us know that you now jam at Bare Naked Ladies uh, Jam Space. Which is great. Jim is just the the best. And uh, we actually, he was working on some songs yesterday. And I was like, Jim. You know, you got to get out of your own head. We'll be your band. Come on in. And then Jim just, he was like, really? I was like, yeah, we're kind of running up against the wall right now. So we got to clear our heads. Get in here. Because he was in the other room. And he's like, okay. And then we just played Jim's song for a while. I <laughs> would love of- if the next Arkells album comes out and it's like, one month till I saw you. It's like yeah. all bare naked ladies <laughs> type music. for the It's like the new direction is, it feels influenced by something. Pizza pockets in the pockets are ticking. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> But right, so did you say pizza pockets? I think the pockets are ticking. <laughs> <laughs> when you put them in the microwave. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So, um, but I've been, you know, I'm always trying to think about different ways to create and, um, you know, different ways to work, different ways to enjoy it. You know, I think that's like a big part of the creative process for me is like, how do you get results but also not want to kill yourself? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, how do you? So. I think in the past with the band, yeah, and this is like, you know, 10, in, but we haven't actually jammed that much in the last like three, four years because of COVID and stuff. But I have met early memories that have really stuck with me, which is like very stressful for me because I'm sort of the leader of the group in some ways. And I feel a lot of pressure to make these songs good. And it was always like during a time when we're like, you know, we have two weeks off in between tours. We're like, you know, on the road for 150 days a year. It's early in our career. We got to do the thing right. And it's just like, and we're younger, we're mm-hmm. broke. Like all these things sort of contribute to the energy in the room. And of course, now we're in a different stage in our life. So I've had a really nice time working. I mean, gym space is beautiful too, so that definitely helps. But I feel like kind of stoned or something when I'm jamming with the guys right now. And the songs are a little more subdued. They're chill. It's winter. You know, it's mm. it's like everything about it is like a little cozier and laid back than like hit you over the head Arkell stuff yep. that we typically would be like working on. And it's really fun. Uh, and we're getting great stuff, but the thing, the other thing that's really helped me the reason I bring all this up is that I kind of, I just think about the Beatles in the let it be documentary mm. and, and I just go, Oh, this is the same thing as the Beatles just working out there. And then we have the, and we're singing together We're we're kind of anytime like somebody fucks up or something doesn't go as planned. I just think of like take two of you know, uh, get back or something like that, yeah. you know, it's like, and that was kind of shit, but you just kind of just in a stoned way, just kind of keep working on it, keep working on it, keep work, working on it. And then you'll have something good. Just and grind. it's been, it's been really fun. Anyway, I, I only bring this up. Do you guys ever do this in your work where you're like, wait I want to write. Is, is Jim Cregan like your Billy Preston? <laughs> no, he's not there. He, like, he's in the other room. <laughs> oh, gotcha. But, okay, but he is, uh, his, his energy uh, does offer a Billy Preston energy sometimes, you know. Are uh, the, what are the snacks like at that place? So they, like, if you're there for a, a long period. <laughs> well, it's around the corner. So there's like a coffee shop right next door. So uh, oh, okay. uh, there's no no real snacks. But, um, but anyway, do you guys ever do that? Like, just try to like write in the in the in the vein of somebody else like does that ever help you get to like a a good mental space where you're like i'm gonna try to just pretend that i'm 
Seth Rogen, or I'm gonna, I'm going to try to pretend to be um, Tim Robinson, or whatever it may be, and that kind of helps you kind of just get out of a funk. Or if you're writing, mm-hmm. is that ever? Because I just find sometimes when you just put yourself and you just pretend to be somebody else, it's kind of nice and helpful. Yeah, well, there's different types of writing, like so, like like so. You know, the writing, writing commercials or bits is pretty straight ahead. Like we, I have my process and I'm in my own brain. And there's also a thing too about writing for yourself and writing for someone else. So if I'm writing like a Doritos mm-hmm. commercial, that's like a brand partnership with Bell Media. That's like, that's actually very easy for me because it's like, it's, it's not me. I'm not really representing yeah. myself. I'm a professional doing a job and I'm selling an ad or whatever. When it comes to like writing music, which is a whole other thing, which I've done some of the joke songs for the sketch show, you know, there's like a little basketball rap and there's like a sitcom theme song, stuff like that. Or I've done music for commercials before. It's like, I find it so much more easy to do that than I found to write for like a band. So when you're talking about Max, you know, mm. these, the music that you guys are writing on, I found it, I was way more harsh on myself or mm. sort of like in my own head about lyrics. Cause I'm like, I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to like, I don't want to be too negative. Cause I'm in this relationship. I don't want to hurt somebody. So I always had those kind of weird hangups or am I saying it eloquently laughing? Like, what does this say about me? If I, that shit would always get, would, would sort of muddy the creative process. But when I'm writing like a basketball rap for Jillian to be like, you know, it's silly and it's fun. That is like probably the purest, most fun I have in writing. You know what I mean? So it's like almost Mm. like writing for somebody else or trying to do a lonely Island type thing is actually a more fun exercise in that way for music than it is writing my own. I find. So yeah, I I can try to write like other people, I guess it's to answer Mm -hmm. your question, but it always feels like an imitation and I can only end up sort of doing myself. And I guess music and comedy are a little different. What about you, Shane? The best process that works for me is walking around on a phone as Mm. somebody's taking dictation or we're, bouncing ideas back off each other. I find like I have Mm. an endless well of ideas that I would be too lazy to sit down and type out. Merely the Mm. act of sitting at a keyboard and typing out is enough for me to never write at all. (laughs) But Popolis will always call me and be like, well, what about this idea? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. I'm like, well, what if you did this? And then before I know it, I'm sucked into a two hour conversation and (laughs) I'm like sweating and I'm so excited and we're laughing and we're elated and we're like, (laughs) like we're so pumped on the idea. So I find having another person really is that thing Uh. that I need to help me because I always want to make that person laugh. And the will to make someone else laugh, my brain just wants to give me so many ideas. It's almost like when you're single and you want to impress, my brain would just help me out with so many jokes. Well, that's what makes uh, our, my walks with Ash so fruitful mm-hmm. is that we're just drunk on ideas. Honestly, mm-hmm. we're just kind of like we could go through so many different ideas. And what? And, and I don't remember any of it. And then Ash just remembers all yeah. of it. And then we get home and then she documents all of it. So it's very effective. So the character I'm, I'm always pretending to be, it's like, what if I was really funny and creative? What would mm. I say here? And it's almost this character that doesn't exist that I can become. That's a great spot to be. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think like, I'm just going to be Paul McCartney here. As I said, the piano, what would Paul do? Because when Paul talks about creativity, he's just like, so matter of fact, he's like, well, why don't you just go to this chord? I'm like, yeah, why don't I just yeah. go to that chord? It's very fun that way. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, you know what? We should probably get to the Dermot interview. It's been 25 minutes and we can uh, finish off with the Dermot. I'm curious. How long is your Dermot interview? I think it's 25 minutes. Nice. Minutes. But Shane, anything you said, I did what I always do. I cut off the the this podcast before I give you a chance to bring up something on your mind. Is there anything on your mind, Shane? No, I, I tried talking about it earlier, and you're like, okay, enough of that. People aren't going to get it. You're getting too much into the episodes. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, actually, actually yeah. Shane, Shane, you made me just think of something when you were talking that's about it. what would somebody who is funny and charming do in this moment or whatever, what it was you just said. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so Shane and I just, we just did, we were just co-directing like um, this this thing for, it was like a two-day shoot, but we're on set. And there was a moment yesterday where our assistant director, uh, Alex Walty, he was talking to us because basically they, part, an element of this thing that we were shooting had to, like a bilingual element. So we were shooting like English lines and then French lines with these actors. Anyway, our AD speaks like six languages. He's like Serge Ibaka, like in a press conference where he like does like three different, you know, countries in like in one answer. But uh, but he was saying how um, 
it's very hard to get like ideas across with different languages and comedy and pauses are subjective. It's like the hardest thing to do or whatever. And I literally just made like a throwaway joke because Shane and I were standing at the monitor. I was like, oh, Shane, mm-hmm. it's like that time when you're trying to do Japanese stand up. And then there's like a pause, like dumb joke, whatever. But then Shane, without missing a beat, goes, best 10 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> For Fucking, some reason, it really killed in the room. It's I was like, slay, what's going on like, here? All, all, on the set, it was like dumb joke by me that ended up acting as like an amazing setup. But the punchline was just so funny and so quick <laughs> that Alex, our AD, was like, I've never seen him laugh harder in his life. But it was just it was a very funny moment where, you know, yeah, if, if you're like, it's like Shane, like you're like, oh, I, I, what would a somebody who's like this be? It's like you are like that. Do you know what I mean? And there was no stakes there. You were just being funny. Yeah, it's funny, though. I feel like that's when I'm in hack mode. I'm just saying the most perfunctory statement to get out of the social situation that I know is a joke. So I'll just say it just to be like, okay, I said my thing because I have to say something now. And then when I get a laugh from it, I'm like, ah, that's so cheap. You know, and that's the way I felt at that moment a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good joke or it was it was a good quick line to say in that moment to then get us back to our our thing. Um, But yeah. Sorry, I did cut you off though, Shane. You started with something. No, I just, uh, I, I had a thing where I sent, it's about the sketch show, which is why I hesitate to even bring it up. No, it it, it might it be a bad topic, but. <clears throat> no, we'll bring was, it up. Let's do it. I was wondering, it could elicit some other stories of maybe situations in your life, but where somebody's giving you like a little lie or you can tell that somebody hasn't done something, but they're acting like they did. Mm. <laughs> so I sent Sean Dawson because. I think Sean (laughs) thought that I wouldn't send him an episode of the show, but he texted me. He's like, send me an episode. So I'm like, okay, yeah. Sean was kind of one of the early writers on the show. He didn't end up, it didn't end up sticking, but he wanted to be a writer and he, he wrote a script. So I'm like, I will send it to him. And I'm curious what he thinks. He goes, I can't wait to watch it. Sometimes when people say that they don't actually mean they can't wait to watch it. They'll, they'll go a couple days without watching. So I let five hours go by. I go, has the excitement died down or did you not think it was good? You said you couldn't wait. And then he's like, oh, I I watched it. I found it very interesting, very funny. Shane, I'm so proud of you. Um, There's stuff I need to rewatch because there's like it feels like there's a lot of layers and things that I could be missing in this episode in particular (laughs) that I need to rewatch it. But if I had to give a note right now, I would say. Maybe work on some of the uh, timing with the the dialogue. That could be sharper. And I'm just thinking, (laughs) these are all words. Yes, these words exist. But he did not watch this. He's just saying generic terms that he can get away with. I bet you watched it. You don't think you watched it? There's nothing. It's the Phil Jackson fucking soft spot episode. There's nothing to figure out. There's not some big confusing like... uh, you know, head scratcher that, oh, that's probably a callback. There was nothing of that. It was a very digestible, easy to figure out episode that I was just like the first sketch is a minute long. There's it's so it's almost too snappy that that's what I would think. That's why I thought maybe he had heard there's a lot of complicated callbacks or like rewarding people for paying attention. But that episode was not that. So I think he was telling me a little kind lie. I don't I think you're in your head. I think you totally watched it and he I don't know, those sound like reasonable notes. We'll there was no notes. He's pod. like the two women were very good. Uh he didn't get specific <laughs> on anything. I bet you he couldn't even tell me a character or what like anything about it. I don't even know if he hit play. There was nothing there. And I know he listens to the podcast, so I'm this I'm kind of communicating them through this forum. Um so if he could reach out and actually watch the link, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, okay like does, does that ever happen to you or is that just a sufficient uh, just a one story off mm, where you send no, someone people, like a song I, and they're like oh great uh the melodies were great vocals no, people, I, think, I think this kind of sums up maybe the, the way the three of us would take that it's like yeah it's like i think max would get that feedback and he'd be like oh sweet he liked it and then move on <laughs> i would get that feedback and go oh he's politely he doesn't like it and this is his polite way of sort of like not saying it's not good. He's sort of saying like uh, general, it's good without being specific, but he's really, it's not for him. I would be like, mm-hmm. fuck, he doesn't like it, but moving on. 
And for some reason, you're like, neither. He, he, likes, he must not have seen it. <laughs> well, who talks in that? Like, it was a long mes- message without any specifics. You yeah. think he could be like, love the Phil character. However, maybe it lives its best at two sketches instead of three installments as a runner or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. the polite way to say I didn't really like it. Right. I'm suspicious. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, anyway, o- over to you, uh, Dermot. <laughs> All right, it is time to get to Dermot Kennedy and Max Kerman sitting down for a one-on-one. Where'd you guys do this? At Scotiabank Arena? We did it at Budweiser Stage. Oh, exciting. All right, Mm -hmm. so sitting down for a one-on-one interview. Enjoy it. Can't wait to hear it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, it's Max Kramer here from Arkells. I'm hanging out with Dermot Kennedy here at Budweiser stage and uh, we're mostly going to try to talk about basketball (laughs) what is the size of your hometown um it's funny because someone last week was like i'm from a really small town it's only like twenty thousand people and i was like oh to me that's like a lot of people (laughs) that's the big Um, thing yeah like that's cool where i'm from i don't know probably a couple thousand Mm. yeah but like i guess ultimately i'm from dublin Uh which is like a million people but i'm kind of 40 minutes outside yeah Uh, okay yeah because i was listening to there's an excellent podcast yeah. that i did uh that you did straight up with these. oh yeah that was good it was awesome and I it's was excellent because like, everyone's drinking was that why yeah, yeah, yeah. was loosey-goosey okay uh-huh. that makes sense yeah if anybody wants to listen to i'd say the definitive Dermot kennedy podcast is that podcast. really yeah i thought it was awesome but you but your dad's uh was in business yes but so would he travel into dublin to, to, for work no like he so he's from dublin born and raised uh-huh. and um and he worked in the bank for years and so uh yeah, he would, he would just kind of, every single day, uh, he'd travel in and out of Dublin. It's a crazy okay. thing, you know, because, like, I see it now. And just the things our parents do to support us, you know, for, mm. like, 35 years, he was, like, spending three hours in traffic every day, you know? Yeah. Wild. And just happily, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and now he's just part of your business now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not kind of informally, but just, you know, like, I just, I don't necessarily want to have any hand in that side of things you know what i mean in terms of like in terms of the money side of things i think it keeps my head on creatively you know you when you were talking about that i was like i was like oh, this is i'm the exact same way like really? I, I it makes me it's actually become a disability though because like i can't even look at a bank account anymore no i know no i can't <laughs> yeah. i have the app on my phone and i'll open it by mistake and i freak out nearly okay this yeah. is what happens if i if you're at a bar and somebody picks up the bill and everyone's like all right you transfer adam 80 yeah, yeah yeah i just copy my accountant and i say can, can you, you do this you transfer really? adam 60 you're that allergic yeah, yeah. Oh, that is so bad um but i agree it's like if you're trying to if you believe in the big picture vision yeah of of what you're trying to do yeah and you trust the people around you then you're and and because i tell the accountants i was like <clears throat> just tell me if i'm gonna be broke uh-huh. otherwise 
just I don't assume it's it. going in the right direction. I do that with shows. Um, mm. So if someone's like, do you want a ticket count? I'm like, no. If it's sold out, tell me. But if it's not, don't tell me. That's exactly. Okay. Because I'll okay. freak out, yeah. See, t- there's this terrible um, tradition in the like live music business where instead of s- sending along a report of like how many tickets have been sold, they sell they send along a report of the percentage of tickets that have been sold. Oh, okay, yeah. So about like nine years ago, I'd get the reports and they'd be like, show is 33% sold, sure, yeah, yeah. 42% sold, even 64% sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I'm a failure. This is a passing I know, I know. grade. And then the show would come, you'd come on stage, the room would be full of people that yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't know, strangers. Oh, and even if it is 65%, you look out and it's packed, you and know what packed, I mean? And it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. But you and spend the whole day worried about it. You spend yeah. the whole day going... There, I'm just there's 35 percent of the room that's not <laughs> yeah, sold, and yeah, I feel yeah. like such a piece of shit. Yeah, and then so I just told uh, our management and our agents like I never want to see another ticket count again. Again, if it's sold yes. out, awesome. That's my. Otherwise, thing, yeah. we will do everything possible to promote the show. Yes, and everything in our power. Yeah, exactly. And then you go on stage and do your best. But apart yeah. from that, I don't want to know about Cause, it. Because yeah. when I got on stage, I was like, "Fuck!" It would have been so much nicer just to have just been on stage and just looked out and see a bunch of people there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Okay. So with your relationship with toronto it's cool you know people uh, friends of mine are massive fans of yours and you. i'm a huge fan and nice, um, the the sort of like the diy sort of aesthetic that you've kind of just put into the work itself it's like yeah um the trinity bellwoods uh park sing-along uh-huh. is it was that your idea like where did that come from basically like not even to go on too much about it but we were on tour with sean and um and then that kind of that just wasn't a thing that it was going to be the whole summer and so we were just like we need to basically just figure something out because my album was coming out regardless you know and so i needed to do something to not even promote it but just to like bring people together around that Mm -hmm. release and so um it just felt right you know we've been playing these shows with sean in places even bigger than here just like twenty thousand people all these huge Mm -hmm. stadiums like hundreds of people backstage like massive crew massive infrastructure massive sort of like show and performance and then um we just did the complete opposite of that. Like mm. that show in the park here was, um, you know, I was talking about on the way here, there was just like a table that I was kind of slipping off and then the mic mm. was like falling out of the stand and stuff. I don't know. Stuff like that to me, just it's reassuring to me that no matter how far you go, like that's all it is, you know, mm. it's like playing music to people. And sometimes like, it's more impactful. Like, 100%. And it's fun to get into the production side and all the bells and whistles. Like that's a great new skill to learn. Yeah. But at the core, it's just that. No, and it's reassuring, yeah, you know, to be like, oh, I haven't lost that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need the lights and whatever it is, and I don't need my band. Like, it was very sort of exciting to do that. And so, yeah, that idea kind of grew legs, and we did it in Brazil, did it in uh, did it in Ireland, did it in Germany, all kind of pretty much did everywhere. Did it start from the Toronto idea, and then you did more of well, that? Or where did first. It... Mexico City was oh, first. Cool. Yeah, That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. A fraction of the people came out, but yeah. Uh, do you think there's some, because whenever we're in the UK or Ireland, there's this tradition of busking that is so strong. Yeah. And I and I was thinking about how that's like informed that, well, exactly what you do and, sure. and what you're doing with these shows. Because sometimes I'll be like walking through a city center somewhere over there, I'm like, oh, this kid is amazing. Yep. Like, there's so much talent. And um, if you're an aspiring musician, sometimes you have to go in other places. You have to go go to a club. You have to go find it. Yep. But if you're walking through the streets in the UK or in Ireland, you're just seeing it right there. Totally. Did you think that uh, there's something to be said for how everybody has to step their game up because it's like yes. it's right there? Have you felt that? I do. Of? Yeah, and I, and I think as well, if say. I'm at a point now where I get to play big venues and sort of have some semblance of a career. It's like, if I'm going to go play in the street and then like a hundred meters down the road, there's some guy who's unbelievable. Like I need to, yeah, yeah, that's literally like, and, but that's, I think it's an interesting lesson and an interesting kind of idea because like, if you went on the street seven years ago in Dublin, I was playing there, you know, Uh and no one was paying attention. And if you go five years back from that, Damien Rice might have been there Mm -hmm. more than five years, but you know, you get my point. Like there was a time where Damien Rice was there, Glenn Hansard was there, like Lisa Hannigan, all these artists who Mm -hmm. in Dublin are like these key figures and, um, who at some point just no one paid attention to. So I think, I don't know, that's like, you know, the way sometimes you'll get asked, like, do you have any advice for up and coming songwriters? It's like, for me, it's just, it's not, it's not about, whether you're good enough or not, it's just you got to bide your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually uh, reading Bono's uh, autobiography. Oh, yeah, yeah, I went to the show. Oh, did you? Yeah, because I haven't read the book, but I went to the live show. He's oh, doing. his like speaking series. Yeah, oh. so it's kind of like, it's literally like a play, nearly. 
Oh, interesting. He's on stage and he has different sets and he sings and then talks about the book and yeah. Oh, is there musicians with him? Like yeah, like four people on stage. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's. I know it's not like people sometimes like to roll their eyes at Bono, but like I appreciate how earnest he and is. Not to get into it here, but I just fully don't understand why that's a thing. Oh, let's get into it. But just as an Irish person, I'm just like, how is he not just loved by every single person? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the, sometimes the cool kids like liked are sort of maybe intimidated by how earnest and like how hard he tries mm -hmm. you know what i mean like and it was fun in the book he kind of gets into like going it actually made me feel better because i'm a try hard myself and uh and he and it, he'd go to london like when he was 19 just and like went to different newspaper publications and yeah. record deals he'd be like here's my demo can you listen to it right, yeah, i'll yeah. wait out here in the in the of lobby <laughs> and i was like oh good and then it's like that that is the spirit of that has taken him the entire way sure and then he got a certain platform and just tried to literally change the world and still does oh totally yeah yeah um yeah, but I, we've only been to Dublin a handful of times. But Have you? Yeah, that place. You like is, it? Yeah. Oh, Playing shows? Yeah. Played Whalen's, I think. Oh, and Whalen's we played uh, the O2 as well. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, the O2 is a big one. It's yeah. weird in Dublin because it goes the Olympia Theater, which is like 1,600 people, mm -hmm. and then the next venue is the O2, which oh, is no, 13,000. Right. It was with Frank Turner. Do you know Frank? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frank's a pal. Right. Um, but yeah, one of my. Okay, do you know this uh, Irish band from a long time ago, The Thrills? Do you know them personally? I don't. The only reason I smile is because my cousin was in a band for a long time. And my cousin's a brilliant singer. He's the reason I got a guitar when I was a kid. And uh, But his thing that they point to is that they were they were pipped in a battle of the bands by the Thrills years oh, really? ago. Yeah, and the Thrills uh, went on what... to be the Thrills. Well, you, you tell the story on the Straight Up podcast about waiting outside to see Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Yes, of course. Uh, in and, Boston, yeah. and I was like, oh, that was me with the Thrills. Really? Because I, I really wanted to meet them. And... Um, I was in high school and I pretended uh, that I was a journalist. <laughs> for my, I was like, I have a very serious uh, report that needs to be filed for my high school newspaper. But I just wanted, and then the, I just like knocked spotlight. on the door at the Phoenix uh, here in Toronto. Yeah. And the tour manager was like, uh, okay, we'll send the drummer out. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, they, stuff like that counts, you know, oh, like it's totally huge. Counts. And I got to talk to Ben. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then actually, um, we were, this is like a decade ago, we were, put a, a wish list together of what producers we wanted to work with. Oh, and nice. Tony Hoffer had did the records and he did Beck's Beck record, the kooks M83, like a bunch of great indie sure. rock. And, um, and, uh, he, he ended up reaching out to us on MySpace, right? And I was like, "Oh, well, this is the craziest thing! You did the Thrills record, and then we yeah, worked yeah, together. Yeah. That was cool. That's perfect. Yeah, okay. we we actually sneaked uh, we sneaked into the venue at the Bonnie Vera thing at the House of Blues in Boston. Oh, cool! And you could see all their flight cases. It was literally like I was in a dream, like you know. You sneaked in like during the show? No, during the day. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they were just about to sound check. Uh huh. And we were, and I say we, it was me and uh, my drummer, Michal, and mm. um, we were both obsessed and we got in and you could see all the guitars and stuff. We were just freaking out because <laughs> we were essentially just in backstage. Did they kick you out eventually? Yeah, like immediately they saw us and they were like, get out. And we were like, and we thought it was so unreasonable. We were just like, just let us sit in the crowd, please. We just want to watch them sound check. And uh, it just wasn't a thing. Security guards, they don't care. I get it. Nowadays, I'm like, I yeah. get it. Um, okay. And another Toronto connection, speaking of producers, is Cause. Sure. Uh, I don't know, Cause is a pal. Uh, Legend, yeah. And uh, he is obviously a brilliant guy. Do you know anything about his backstory? Do you know much about like where he comes from? I know Speaking he's from UConn, and yeah. I know he he sort of talks a bit about it. He told me about one time when he, uh, some crazy story about like he was in his backyard in the Yukon and he like fell into a hole that these dogs had dug and they were like, <laughs> and they were like circling the hole, like feverishly, like just essentially hunting him. Really? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think so. Okay. But so then with Cause, there's always an element of just like, yeah, he's he's a tough guy, I think. Yeah. How did you get to know him? Well, so we're managed by the same company. And, and uh, oh, okay. And yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, it's a longer conversation, but I just, for me, the transition from being super precious mm -hmm. and like guarding what I write and sort of sing so intensely into being open to working with Cause mm -hmm. and anybody was like a really, I was very lucky with the way that happened because the first people I worked with basically were Cause and a guy called Kerry Willits in the UK, mm. just super um, sympathetic, like kind people who are kind of like, this can be whatever. I can be a producer. I can help you write lyrics, whatever. Mm. It was a very, very lovely way for me to kind of figure that out and realize that that's a helpful thing mm. if I can get there. And um, so that was it. I just I did a session with Cause and we wrote this crazy song called Glory. And mm. I don't 
I like, you know, like doing writing sessions now, I'm just like, how did Glory come out of like a writing session? Like, it feels very like, it's very dynamic. And it's just, I think, yeah, it felt very epic, but he steered it. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, you know, we've done some co-writing in the past and it's the same thing because for the first, you know, handful of years, you have your process and you're almost like uh, dogmatic about like, well, this is who I am and this is the way I do the thing. And then the more you listen to other artists and how they do stuff, you go, oh, you can actually do it in 19 different ways, a yeah. hundred different ways. Yes. And it's actually very liberating. Yeah. Um, actually, we, the, the two fellas that helped out a lot on our last record, this guy, Tom and Ryan, and it was sort of set up through our publisher label. Yeah. And uh, I was meeting a bunch of folks down in LA and I remember like coming up to them and I could overhear their conversation. And I was like, and I was the first time I had met them. I was like, are you guys talking about like something that was being discussed on the NBA Reddit page? Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're talking about that. I was like, all right, we're going to get perfect. along great. <laughs> and then uh, Ryan turned out to be like uh, from Boston and just like the quintessential, like insane Boston sports sure. fan. Yeah, and then yeah. Tom is from the Bay and uh, an insane Warriors fan. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is the greatest. And then when you're comfortable around people, then you can like write good exactly, music. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. But it does take time, yeah. And it's hard. And I mean, even nowadays, I could do a writing session and just be like, wow, I hated that. Like, I should never do that again. And but, not to be judgmental, it's just like, okay, now I know that thing didn't work. And, totally. But not to like, you know, close other good ideas off. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing I really want to talk about is Jimmy Butler. Dear. How do you okay? How did that uh, friendship start? Because I'm a big um, basketball fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, as I said, I spend most of my time just thinking about basketball related things. Sure, but even <laughs> like a second ago, we were talking about um, sort of having a love of sport that really nearly like outweighs music. Like mm-hmm. he he is just obsessed with music. He really is. And um, so just a few years ago, yeah, he posted a video of him doing like singing one of the songs okay. in Brazil, one of my songs. And so obviously like someone like me is just like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And so I messaged him and uh, just hung out since. Just very easygoing, generous guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Uh, so a good friend of the band is Nick Nurse. Right. Uh, he's the head coach of the Raptors. Uh-huh. And he's actually... Probably one of the most exciting moments of uh, the band's career, uh, well, out of my life, is because the Raptors won the championship in 2019. Yes, and it I was, was here for that actually. You were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it just happen to be in town, like working on? Just stuff? happened to be in town. Yeah. Like the night they won. Yep. Oh, crazy! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! So my. Well, like I watched it in Airbnb. It was very casual on my part. Okay, so yeah. like my like the Raptors became a team like when I was 10 years old. Okay. My first email address was. Named after Vince Carter is right, Vince yeah, yeah. Kerman at, uh, at hotmail.com. And then, <laughs> and so I've been a huge Raptors fan ever since. And so when they finally made this big playoff run, it was like the greatest sure. three months of my life. And we had a show here at Budweiser stage. Um, and the head coach, Nick nurse was sort of photographed every time he got off the team plane, he had a guitar with him. Right. Okay. And so we reached out and we have some mutual friends and I was like, do you want to come do sign seal delivered by Stevie wonder with us? Wow. And then that's so, he, so different to just be like, do you want to come to the show? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but he was that, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. 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 And, um, he, he's like, yeah, I'm in. Sounds good. So then it was a surprise moment during the set and like where the city was at with that team. Wow. I was like, this is uh, chaos. This is, we're going to bring out, you know, Canada's hottest guitar player right now. Yeah. yeah. The head coach of the world champion, Nick, uh, drone Raptors, Nick nurse. And then he comes out and people's like, crazy um but similar to jimmy butler is that like he is obsessed with music i mean he's obsessed with basketball crazy into it but uh he like so he sets up a uh <laughs> yeah, i don't think he'd be annoyed that i'm showing you this but he sets up he makes the equipment manager set up a piano in his hotel room every, who's this nick nurse oh really okay yeah, yeah, yeah so like oh he was in new york the other day he went to a club wow. There's him playing a grand piano. Just wild into music. Yeah, and he and he'll just send voice notes. <laughs> like yeah, most mornings, <laughs> like here he is, just working <laughs> on a thing. He's like, I got new keys on the road. First recording, and it's like a four minute version of Lay Lady Lay. Wow. <laughs> he like puts me to shame <laughs> about like how much music he plays. Oh, but it, I, you know, do you ever have that with like someone when their career? is just so intense. It's so mm. all consuming that people almost get like equally obsessed about just something completely unrelated. I and think. I think it's, it's good though to have a little bit of 
distance totally from the thing i can't like sometimes when people say to me they're kind of when people are like have you seen that movie like the like a star is born or like the elton john movie and stuff i'm just like i can't watch oh, somebody else music do. docs yeah i don't give a fuck i was like i can't do that like I can't. occasionally there's one that might happen to come across but i was like ah, i can't do anything else that's yeah not, yeah, yeah. Not it's just music. like i'll just watch someone else be. i actually find um i don't know if you feel this way sometimes i have a hard time even like talking to musicians uh be- yeah because it's like so how's tour no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Show's going okay. Yeah, you get, going back in the but studio. But also, I think I it's interesting. That. I think it's tough because sometimes <laughs> you you sort of expect it to just because you do similar things, you expect it to immediately just be like this free flowing thing. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I think especially in music, everybody's so different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think say it helps with us if it's like a sports thing or something mm-hmm. because uh, sometimes yeah, I've had that scenario where you're just like, so yeah, how's the boss? Yeah, fuck yeah. And I was saying, it's also like kind of the more boring things to talk about. You're like, totally. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you and your friends and your your friends from back home? What are, what are the group chats about? Yeah, like music. I don't know if music has ever come up organically in twenty years. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Seriously. Um, yeah, no, they don't care. They, <laughs> they don't, don't care. But it's the best, you know, because I uh-huh. I don't know if I've done a show in Ireland that they haven't come to, you know, yeah. like. But it's just it's just genuine support. No, yeah, they come, but then afterwards we, we don't talk about. The- the no. show or before it and nah. but i mean if you're it's nice if you're stressed about something if you actually have like a personal thing on your mind oh totally they're, they're just oh, a great show sure. like i know like i'll get off here and sort of check my phone and there'll be something like uh-huh. about the world cup or whatever but it's just general lad chat chat yeah. disgraceful way, banter yeah way nicer yeah we're gonna wrap this up shortly but uh a couple other questions i had as a north american musician do you think that having an Irish accent is a cheat code. Uh, playing over here? Yeah, I just think that everybody... Is your music that good? I don't know. <laughs> but it, do you have a charming Irish accent? Yes, you do. <laughs> have uh, you thought about this? It, it Does the reverse work for the UK? I don't think it does. I when think you're, it's a when one, I, being Irish in the UK? No, I think... Sorry, I shouldn't uh, pit Irish and, accent, no, uh, and Scottish and English accents altogether. But I'd say, do North American accents have the same charm to people on your side of the ocean as Irish accents have to this side. No, you're right. I think when when it's the when it's flipped, it becomes just about like do you love that act or not? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I find like I know like I know say like even in Chicago like I can feel the Irish connection, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like New York, Boston, sure. all this, it, like it's it's always there, you know, and literally everybody I meet is like, "Oh my Granddad's from Ireland. My mm. mother's fully Irish, blah, blah, blah. And it's all this thing. So it definitely helps. Yeah. 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 <laughs> to be honest. You, uh, on that podcast, you talked about sort of like the realities of the business side. Sure. Um, I know. Yeah. I didn't want to. I, I said to them, I was like, I'm not dying to like chat about this because it feels boring. But then I guess to no, people, it it's not really boring. Good. No, yeah. it was honest because I think sometimes and like friends will talk, ask me about like the business part of it and you're like where the money kind of comes from. And, sure. and oftentimes the thing that you think makes a lot of money doesn't make a lot of no. money and, and vice versa. And you were saying that it's like, you know, you got, you're doing Madison Square Garden yeah. and you're like, that thing is actually not going to net out for a ton of stuff. No. But then you know, I'm sure you'll do something dumb and simple that you're like, oh, we made a bunch of cash sure. this way. So what is the dumbest corporate party you've ever played? Oh, I've never done it. You've never done a corporate? I mean, I've like done a private it. event? Yeah, but like not really now. A company hasn't hired you to sing some songs? Like years ago, maybe I did a thing for a hotel in Dublin, but like, no, I've never really done it. Corporate sponsors, if you're out there listening, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hire this man. Pay <laughs> yeah, him all yeah, the yeah, money. Yeah, yeah no, I haven't done it. Really? Not really, no. Um, oh, interesting. But yeah, I just we do it all the time. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I think <laughs> that's with, how we get paid, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think with stuff like that, it's like for me, say even like like I was thinking, I'm going to be his corporate booking. Dude, agent. yeah, please, yeah, give right. me a gig after this. But yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, I'm busy. But yeah, but I those things, yeah, they can be tricky, right? Too. Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of. There's a mental hurdle. I don't think it's your Nirvana moment. Yeah. No, no, it's, yeah. it's not. You're just getting it done. Yeah, you're just getting <laughs> yeah, it done. Yeah. No. Okay. Interesting. I, I thought well, you've had some, you know, some tech company would have paid you to play their private event and it was terrible or something like that. Nah, nah. We've done it. I, like, don't get me wrong. I've had plenty of terrible gigs, but uh, yeah, <laughs> none of them paid me properly. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, and the last question, the other reason why in listening to that interview is just like kind of understanding your interests outside of like folk music and I know, and the record has many different parts to it. There's obviously it comes from a singer songwriter place, but there's electronic and a lot of modern stuff. Um, 
Well, like, well, what are your who are your favorite artists outside of the singer songwriter tradition that that you listen to that like have just informed what you do? Because I know you talk a lot about your love for hip hop. Of course, that, yeah. I think what was huge for me was Lupe Fiasco around uh, like Kick Push. Yeah, around that album mm-hmm. and around the time of the cool and like songs like mm-hmm. the coolest and songs like Hello Goodbye. I was just like so musical but uh-huh. still hip hop you know yeah. and it was like it's something I take for granted but it was such an exciting time for me like because there's so much music you know the way nowadays it's like here's this EP and here's this mm. release and the deluxe thing like I know what to search on YouTube for like Lupe Fiasco things that never got released but it's oh, like interesting. like he has a song called Switch that's literally he sort of raps from like five different pers- perspectives but mm. like it's not on any album it's not on anything it's just like playing you know like you, and it's music for music's sake and are I you a chance so rapper fan yeah i mean why'd you point he's oh sorry he's uh there's a poster over there. Yeah, yeah 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 when was that uh, 2017 yeah coloring at the book. height of things yeah yeah, yeah. is that coloring book so good that was crazy that was a huge uh, that's like an insane record yeah and again so musical so you know? musical and like combining like fearlessly combining like every interesting genre together like yes. gospel music electronic music yeah, yeah, yeah. hip hop there's like I think what I loved about so him cool. was like he'd do TV performances and just be like oh I did track 10 off the album because uh-huh. I felt like it yeah, yeah oh yeah and his live stuff during that era too like on all the TV stuff yeah. it was like there's so much art put into that and, and a huge sort of philanthropic element to the whole thing yeah. too yeah um, if you day. had to do a thing do you feel boxed in a little bit by having to be Dermot Kennedy when you're making a Dermot Kennedy record Probably a bit, yeah, uh-huh. of course. I think to some degree, you know, same as everybody a little bit. But I do, I think, like you said at the beginning, having done it in a kind of a DIY way, I do feel like certainly after the first album, I left it in such a spot that I was like, I can kind of do whatever I like mm. here. Like I can make an album that's just me and a piano. Yeah. And people would be pleased. I could make some songs that feel more like pop songs that will uh-huh. reach a wider audience without sort of like losing these people that are already with me. So, um, so kind of, I feel very free, but also I think just naturally as artists, we are sort of loose people, you know what mm. I mean? So you, you'd feel bucks in inevitably by even having a deadline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think one of the advantages you have though, is that because you've talked so much about how you like things outside of yeah. singer, songwriter, music, sure. no one will be surprised if you do anything. That's the thing. I feel like I like it. And, and you just want to do exciting things. Like I would love to do some kind of random EP with just like a bunch of really hard beats and just figure that out. I have a dream lately to do like a, like a nineties dance EP yeah. or something. Why just, not? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll yeah. hit you up with ideas. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. Like even I've got some songs that didn't make the album that I'm just like, I might just upload these on the internet like why not yeah yeah you know That's so we'll cool. see I all right just sabotage myself but yeah let's uh let's wrap this up thank you very much Derek. thank really you appreciate it appreciate it man that's it that's all that is our episode thank you so much to dermot kennedy for coming on thank you to max for sitting down and having a great conversation with him just two musicians chopping it up thank you so much to nathan nash for producing the podcast thank you to manager us for everything she does That was a great hang. Maybe the best. See you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.